Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yeah. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. The action never ends at DraftKings Sportsbook, especially this summer. With tons of ways to bet on all your favorite sports, you can fuel your fandom and feel the heat of the season like never before. Plus, right now, DraftKings Sportsbook is giving new customers a risk-free bet up to $1,000. That's right. Make your first bet up to $1,000, and if it doesn't win, you'll get another shot to cash in. You can throw down on all the major action for baseball, golf, MMA, and more. Plus, with same-game parlay spreads, money lines, over-unders, and props, your betting options feel endless. I know July 14th, guys, British Open. Uh, Roy McElroy, 9 to 1. Dustin Johnson, 28 to 1. How about Tiger, 40 to 1? I might throw some money on John Daly. You know, former champ, 1,000 to 1 odds. Why not? Go for the long shot. But, uh, best of all, DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. You can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code THPN. Make your first deposit and get a risk-free bet up to $1,000. That's promo code THPN, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. Wanna go, pretty boy? Two minutes by yourself and you feel shame, you know, and then you get free. The only thing better than a glass of beer is tea with Miss McGill. And welcome to the 4th Line Voice Podcast. My name is Darren. Thank you very much for tuning in. Episode 224 of The Big Show, some enforcer-based podcasting coming at you, brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. How's everybody doing out there? Sunday morning or evening? Or maybe it's Monday on your on your, on your your commute. I don't know, one of your, what's your listening schedule? But uh, I want to thank you for, uh, for tuning in. And uh, hopefully... No matter where you're listening to this to, or what day you're listening to this on, um, could make it uh, well for for an hour anyway. We'll I'll, I'll take you, hopefully take you away from your from your issues. Um, yeah, hope everybody's doing well out there. I want to uh, the you know uh, well before we uh, before we get into everything, uh, I just want to say uh, unfortunately. Um, we had a we had a death uh, this week. Uh, unfortunate the unfortunate passing of Brian Marchman, 
at only 53 years old. Um, he was in town in Montreal for the, for the draft. He works at San Jose and, um, yeah, 53 years old. Uh, what a shame. And, uh, you know, I kind of went, um, you know, and of course his son may, uh, is playing for the Florida Panthers and, uh, yeah, what, uh, details are not out, but, um, regardless uh it's a shame at 53 and uh yeah i kind of went down the 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 marchment rabbit hole a little bit and um i mean obviously you know growing up i watched him play and uh um you know tough dude dirty guy at sometimes you know we won't sugarcoat it um you know um and he often said in in interviews and even the ones like i said i was watching the clips and he flat out admits to wanting to hurt people and um and he did. And, uh, yeah, but I will say for all the, you know, whatever, all the shots that he threw and everything else, he did a lot of fight in 120 fights. Um, according to, uh, the old drop your Love site, um, he's not played in the Ontario hockey league with Belleville, uh, was a solid, you know, sandpaper D man, uh, went 16th overall to the Winnipeg jets in the 1987 draft. Uh, he ended up playing 926 regular season NHL games, 182 points, 2,300 minutes and penalties, and as I said, 120 tilts. Um, yeah, the kind of the big year, uh, 92-93 with Chicago, 78 games. He had 313 minutes and 16 fights. Um, yeah, he, uh, like I said, sandpaper guy. Um, always backed it up, though. Had some great fights, and... Uh, you know, just to, just to throw a couple of the fights at you, if you guys want to, uh, check it out on YouTube. I mean, you know, it's not old Brian Marshman and all 120 fights come up, but, um, a couple of fights that, uh, I, I would recommend if you're on, if you're on the YouTube, uh, his fight with Shane Corson's a real good one behind the net. That's a real solid tilt. Another really good fights with Dave Maley. Um, uh, good fight with Kelly Chase when Chicago St. Louis, those old matchups. Um, a really, really toe-to-toe battle with Cam Russell. Check that one out. That was, uh, you know what? And and that's another Cam Russell. What a beauty. Uh, yeah, he was. Uh, yeah, which which of course after that I, led me down the Cam Russell thing. And yeah, tremendous. Um, really great fight with Bob Probert uh, when Marchment was in Edmonton. Um, uh, it's it, there's kind of a scrum thing happening, and, and Probert goes to fight. Buckberger, they both dropped their gloves, and I mean Buckberger is fully capable of fighting Probert. I mean he has before, but he must he must have been hurt or something, but definitely still willing. But all of a sudden Marshman just comes flying in and grabs Probert and and he fights him. And uh, you know Probert's kind of giving it to him for about thirty seconds, and then Marshman makes a comeback at the end, and it's just a real solid battle. And then uh, a couple more, just a real great fight with Scott Walker, another guy. Undersized guy, but man, Scott Walker got into wars. He was, he was awesome. And then, um, another, the last, uh, well, you know, go, that I would recommend it at the very least is probably the best one that Marchment was in. Uh, it's when he was in Toronto and Craig, Craig Rivet is in Montreal and it's just like a hockey net candid belt, or uh, title belt. And, uh, they pound each other. Yeah. Rivet and Marchment. That's awesome fight. Definitely go check that one out. But yeah, left handed, uh, could switch hands, but he was a lefty. Sandpaper guy threw some, you know, he, well, there's no, you know, threw some dirty hits, but, um, at the end of the day, I mean, you knew he was out there and, uh, and he, and like I said, he 
you know, he pulled no punches and, and he didn't hide and didn't rat it out. I mean, you know, you can say whatever he did, but he, he would fight and back it up and take on everybody. Fought twist multiple times and yeah, he was, uh, he was just a mean dude and, uh, yeah, had a hell of a career. And, uh, and from all accounts, from every, you know, from you talk to people, really good, du- good dude. And yeah, that's a, that's a shame at 53, but, uh, yeah, Brian Marchmont. There you go. Um, yeah, well, let's, um, you know, we'll try to, you know, we'll, we'll turn a little more happier events, but, um, what are we going to talk about today, boys and girls? Um, well, I should probably do this first. And, and again, I, I was, you know, I've had a couple guys mention it to me. Guys, I'm sorry <laughs> that uh, my, your podcast is sort of, oh, it's like TV with all the ads. Well, you know, what are you going to do? I mean, that's uh, unfortunately like everything. Same with YouTube. And, you know, these platforms, these mediums aren't free and you need to pay the bills or we need to pay the bills. And um, so... And if they're going to pay us, that we, well, we have, they're just not going to give us free money that we have to promote them. And, uh, I know it's gambling site and I know the gambling commercials, um, are ridiculous on right now, 365 and bet this and bet that. And they're all over the place and I get it. Then all of a sudden you turn on the podcast. Oh, here's another one. I know, but you know, again, they're a major sponsor of the network. Um, they give us a lot of money. So uh, in turn, we have to promote it at the same time. It is, they are offering a very good, if you're a gambler, it is a very good sign up bonus. I'm not just saying that it is. I'm a gambler as well. And that is a good sign up bonus. Um, so if you actually want to help the network out THPN on DraftKings, it does help us out. So, um, yeah, unfortunately guys, there's not, I mean, that's what I do for the beat on the network. And this is what they ask us to do. So, um, again, there's no, I, I get it, but it, uh, that's what pays the bills. So, um, you know, I don't shoot the messenger, man. Hey, the, hey, this is how Derek makes a couple bucks. It's from DraftKings. So I can't, uh, you know, I'm not going to say anything bad about him, but, um, yeah, like I said, that's the, the nature of the B and it, it, with all podcasts on networks, that's how networks are run and it's, it's money and advertising and that's the way it is. So, you know. Sorry, there's nothing I could really do about it. But like I said, for the 30 seconds that the ad goes, I think we could cringe our way through it, I hope. And uh, and at the same time, with some of the products that come out, I hope the listeners do use these products because that's the whole point, right? So, anyway. Uh, as I said, I'm a member of the Hockey Podcast Network. There's over 50 shows in the network. All the NHL teams are represented, so whatever team you're a fan of, there is a show for you. And of course, with the draft that's happening right now, or, or did, ha- I guess the first couple of rounds happened. Um, it was weird. I always thought that like the, the draft was like, oh, Saturday's the first round and Sunday's the second. Oh, no, first round's Thursday and stuff. I'm like, here I am trying to like juggle the Bob Probert thing and all that. I don't know where I got my dates from or something, but yeah. So yeah, I guess I'll fire up this Probert tournament sooner rather than later. So yeah, Bob Probert, I'll let you all know, but I mean, you know, that'll be happening sooner rather than later like i said um yes for my off network for well i got you know the the brett Favre of uh of long island is uh joe lazito throws out i'm i'm done guys it's been fun sayonara and then all of a sudden a couple weeks go by and all of a sudden i see a new episode comes out all right that was quick you know changed his mind you know but you know what happened? Joe got home and opened the closet and realized he had a few more coffee mugs he had to sell and a few more Yule logs or, you know, 
so he, back to the airwaves. No, I'm just kidding. I know I know he had done the research already and and didn't want it to go to waste and stuff. I think Joe. I think Joe just wants to hear himself talk. I'm just that's just my you know. But I dig it. I, I, hey, I was pumped that he was, I was, hey, when I opened Spotify, it saw the little blue dot that said new episode. Oh, well, I hit reset because I'm like, what's my, I thought my, my Spotify got stuck, but no, he was back. But uh, periodically, he, you know what? He, he, Joe is like that it's fungus on a shower curtain. You know, you could scrub and scrub, but it'll always come back. Yeah, there we go. Yeah. So Joe Fungus Lazito has a new episode out with the top 10 fights of Eric Cairns. I enjoyed it. I Hey, Joe might have, Joe's got the right idea. Uh, an episode, sporadic episode a month here or there. You might have the right idea. I think, I think, uh, oh, North Carolina there, old, old Colton Salen, I think, uh, the five for fighting. I think he's adopted that, uh, that business, uh, acumen. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll do an episode every four to six weeks. He's like Canada post when he delivers something. Yeah, every four to six weeks, you know, is our time frame. So, I don't know when his last episode was, about a month ago with Nico Blatchman. Again, good episode there in the Five for Fighting podcast, but, you know, he's busy with Puddles the Dog and everything else and waiting for lumber and, you know, who likes to yell about his wood. So, I, I you know what, I don't, these couple much, I don't even know what's going on. You know what it is, though? The You guys don't have to worry Right, I'm just like Amazon. I'm overnight, you know. You know, I, I think you know what. As I as I sit here, I I really need to adapt. That <laughs> I think they're the smart ones here. They still got shows. I still got shows, but instead of sitting down here, which seem, seemingly every second day, yelling into a microphone, these guys show up every couple weeks. Yeah. I, you know, I think much like the guys that keep phoning in sick at work, but yet, and I'm there every day, but we're getting paid the same. Yeah. I got to, I got to re, I got re, to rethink my strategy here. Okay. But I will say with the five for five, well, but Bo, and Joe, they both have tremendous back catalogs. I will give them that. Um, and actually on YouTube, um, five for fighting. Alec has, uh, started a YouTube channel. He started a while ago. But uh, this year, he actually had put up um, the East Coast League fights from this year. And actually, his, his, one of his videos is like, best of, you know, the East Coast League from, you know, uh, 2021 or 21-22. And, uh, yeah, that's a cool video. Check it out. But, yeah, a lot of good tilts in the East Coast League this year. And um, trying to get Alec to 1,000 subscribers. So, um, I mean, everyone's on YouTube, right? Everyone uses YouTube. If you could hit the little subscribe button, boom, no big deal to you. But it's a big deal to Alec, and it helps him out. Also, while you're on the YouTubes, as my mom says, um, <laughs> fourth line voice on YouTube. I have over 2,500 videos. Hit the subscribe button on my channel as well. I would greatly appreciate it. Um, yeah, so there you go. Lazito in and out periodically, and uh, and Alec, uh, who is busy shopping for homes and waiting for wood and looking for wood, looking for wood in all the wrong places. I don't know. Five for Fighting podcast. I don't know. We're giddy from the sun here, folks. It is a warm day today, and uh, I started off. I worked again like a fool, I guess. I worked this morning, Saturday morning. I was up early, six o'clock, and out the door. 
and uh, put in some overtime. And I'm then I came home and uh, ate my sub and uh, to be and then and then fell asleep for like an hour and a half on the couch. And then my wife reminded me, she's like, "Go get this stupid podcast done already." So here I am, Saturday at one thirty, and um, yeah, I actually tried recording this last night, and uh, I started and stopped, started and stopped, and then I was like, "I don't know what I'm going to talk about." Well, I know what I'm going to talk about, but then I don't know, and and then I kind of got sidetracked. Then I started putting hockey cards away, and then it was like midnight, and I'm like, "Oh yeah, I had to work tomorrow morning." So, um. Yeah, my, uh, I don't know, I just kind of, I, I get sidetracked, I guess, but, uh, I get, it's not so much, I think I allow myself to get sidetracked because I don't really want to record. Because honestly, it's like, I, I mean, I have some ideas and stuff of what I'm going to talk about, but then it's just like, yeah, you just, um, it's one of those things I get, I have to get in the mood for it. I have to get in the feel for it. And, um, sometimes I do record. Uh, I don't want to say it's forced record, but it almost is because they have a deadline and it's just like, well, I guess I got to do this. And, um, I don't like those episodes as much. They don't, uh, I don't, I feel like they don't flow as freely. Um, I, that's, it's just a personal thing. I mean, I've never had anyone tell me any different, like what, what was going on there? Like I've never had any, well, that's not true. I actually have had that a couple times, not a lot though, but, um, yeah, I guess maybe you could tell us. Listen, I don't know, um, so I don't know. But I, I mean, I know I could feel it just by doing it. But um, uh, yeah. Anyway, you're like, what's your point? Um, I really don't have a point. I will say, you know what I did the other day? Because I'm looking over in the corner at the bag and uh, kind of shaking my head. It reminded me as I'm sitting here. Um, basically, I just sit here, hit record, put the microphone, the microphones on the desk, and I just sit in the chair and kind of just. Uh, uh, every once in a while, if you hear squeaking, it's just, yeah, they're like that. It's like, it's just me. I, I just sort of turn back and forth in the, in the chair, staring out the window and then over at the wall and yeah, get fidgety sitting here. So I apologize if there's any noise. Um, cause I got headphones on too. So I can't, I can't hear any noise outside of, uh, of what I'm doing. So, but every once in a while, I know I get fidgety with the pen sometimes. I've, I've been told that they, what's the sound in the background? It's me either with a pen or else. I kind of do that with my, I kind of rub my arms. Yeah, so, pardon me. Um, anyway, spit it out, man. Tell the story. Um, and I'm, I'm, I just want to, I'm just curious if others do this, but, <laughs> um, end of the work, end, end of the day, and it's like, oh yeah, okay, I got to go to Walmart. I got a list of like 10 things. I'm going to go to Walmart. So I go bombing over to Walmart, go cruising on in, grab the cart. I'm cruising up and down the aisles. Of course, I get the 10 things I went for and then, you know, 30 other things that we don't need. And I certainly don't need, but, you know, hey, peanut butter pie Oreos should have been on the list, in my opinion. <laughs> they ended up in the cart, I can tell you that. Um, oh, and Ritz Flip Crackers. You ever try those? Like half cracker, half pretzel? Tremendous. There you go. Check that out. I will say with pizza, I went down the pizza pop aisle. They got Frank's Red Hot Pizza Pops now. Yeah, I don't. I didn't touch those ones. I'm like, yeah, I don't think so. They had, last winter they had poutine pizza pops. Yeah, that's a, sort of a combination that probably shouldn't. Have, but I had to buy those because it's like, well, you got to, right? You have to try it. I have to make an informed decision. And uh, yeah, they weren't that good. But Frank's Red Hot stayed on the shelf. I didn't grab those. But anyway, so I, I go roll it up with like my 35, 40 items in the cart. 
go, of course, self-checkout, because, you know, God forbid, we got to do it all now. Um, I, and I roll the card up. I'm about to start scanning. Oh, son of a bitch. No bags. See, I don't know if they're doing this down in the States, but here in Canada, the Walmarts are bagless now. So you bring your own bags. You know, I get it. It's a great, okay, fine. Problem is, who the hell ever remembers the bags? I know I don't. And uh, and the stupid thing was, is I knew I had to go to Walmart in the morning. And we have a bunch of the bags right on the banister that I, I should have just... There, we literally have like 40 of these stupid recycling bags. And I've been to Walmart a bunch of times now. And the same thing, I've rolled up and forgot the stupid bags. So I have about nine Walmart reusable bags. Of course, they sell them for a buck, you know, but they're fairly big. But Which reminds me because it's sitting right here on the floor beside me. Um, yeah, I have about eight, nine of these stupid things. So this time, I'm like, I'm refusing to buy any more re- reusable bags. Um, yeah, so basically, I'm scanning the shit and throwing it back in the cart. Go out to the out to the car, the SUV, throw everything in the back. So now I got all this loose shit rolling around on my drive home. Yeah, my, at least my cookies didn't get smashed. But uh, I know my Ritz crackers did, which bugged me. Yeah, I'm trying to put spray cheese on Ritz bits at this point. Ritz dust. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so yeah, so then I had to go in after I drive. I pull into the garage. I have to go inside, get a bag, come back out, and bag it all in my driveway, and then carry it in. I'm like, oh god, this is what are we doing here? Yeah, and then as I'm sitting here staring at, you know what the bag on the floor means? Yeah, it's not in the car. So once again, I know I'm I'm going to go to Walmart at some point and have no bags in my car. Yeah, because they're all sitting on the banister or in the floor in my recording room. So uh, yeah, there we go. I don't, I don't know, I, here, there, there's my, oh, my plight of my life, yes, I was, I was bagless in Walmart, folks, but I'm like, ah, you're not gonna get me a second, you're not gonna get me a 11th time Walmart buying your damn bags, but there we go, it was bad enough, I said the first three times when they put in, like, the dollar carts, yeah, of course, who has, who has a dollar these days? I mean, you know, when was the last time you had cash? I mean, I haven't had cash in my wallet since Vegas. Um, you know, it's just debit for everything. But yeah, so now at least I'm smart enough. Now the little change thing in my car, I have a quarter and a loony sitting there in case for the carts. But uh, yeah, first couple times at Walmart, I'm walking around, you know, like a homeless guy asking for change. You know, I was, I th- I was gonna have to, you know, put down my hat and you know sing for my supper. But um, anyway. Hey, welcome to the Fourth Line Boys Hockey Podcast. <laughs> Tell me your Walmart bagless stories. Uh yeah. Well, okay. What, what are we going to... There we go. That's 20 minutes of filler. Good, I only have 20 minutes to go. Well, I always say this isn't going to take long, and then the episode's an hour, so I'm not even going to say anything today. But, uh, of course, the NHL draft just happened this past week, and uh, actually, no, before we start talking about the draft... Um, well, I'm going to tell you what I'm going to talk about the draft about, but, um, the, my past episode here on Wednesday, um, my remembering Bob Probert, uh, episode, I want to thank everybody that got back to me, uh, a lot, a lot of strong feedback on that episode. And I really want to thank everybody that, uh, that, um, that sent their comments. Um, 
yeah, and I and I think you know I think the episode maybe you know touched a few people, and uh, uh, not that I had some big heartfelt words in it or anything, but I think um, much like myself, I think sort of uh, you don't realize the time that's gone by and and how young he was when he died. And uh, as I said on, in that episode at the at the start of the episode, um, you know, Bob was only forty five when he died, and I'm like, well, I'm forty seven now, so you know, it's it sort of, um, you know, and I, and I, and I said, uh, when you're growing up and, you know, when you, you know, you're 13, you know, 12, 13, 14, you know, when you're looking at these athletes, you know, in any sport or whatever, and you're kind of, they're, they're larger than life and they're kind of, you know, your idols, your heroes, whatever term you want to use. But, um, you know, and then you get older and, you know, you kind of, I, I was saying to uh, Cade McNally the other day, I said, I said, I, because he's a youngster, right? But I said, trust me, you're, and maybe not, but I said, I found, and myself and a lot of people, I think, um, I found, for at least for me, um, <laughs> my, uh, not appreciation, that's not the right word. I, I guess my enthusiasm for sports sort of wanes when I get older than all the players. You know, and then especially when their kids start playing, then that's really like, oh God, how old am I? Um, and I and I think that was, um, you know, but when you're young and you're looking up to these guys, they they almost seem like they're like you're not talking about their deaths, right? Like you're just they're you know they're gonna play forever, you know. And then of course then they retire. And you're like, oh okay, but then you know now all of a sudden as you get older, they you know obviously they start passing away and. Although Bob's was like, you know, 45 is way too young. And same with Marchman here. But but you know what I'm saying. It was just like, you know, your own mortality starts. You Maybe you, you start. I, I found when I was taught, when I initially started that episode, not that I had a, you know, coming to the light moment when I was doing it, but I was sort of, it's I, I as I was talking about it, it, was, it sort of struck me. I think you get, I was, I was struck me while I was recording that, I was older than he was, and it was just like, it was just a real, I don't, I don't know, it's hard to explain, it was it was a strange feeling that, yeah, I don't know, anyway, I, I, don't, I don't know what I'm saying, I don't, I don't know how to explain it, but it was just, it was just odd as I was recording it, but, um, but yeah, no, it was, uh, you know, because, uh, well, I'm assuming, you know, obviously long-term listener, long-time listeners, you guys know what I'm talking about because you, you listen to the episode, but um, if you happen to be new here and you didn't, um, last week I did a July 5th, Bob Probert passed away um, in 2010, and uh, anyway, I, I happened to be recording on July 5th, and uh, I did a, a Probert episode, um, and uh, um, yeah, it was just, uh, yeah, and anyway, it was just, at any time you're talking about Probert, um, you know, there's always going to be, um, a lot of feedback about it or, or interaction about it because he's such a, you know, such a popular figure. And, um, yeah, so it was, uh, it, it was nice to see. And then, and then Chris and, and, uh, Jim and them, uh, on, in the enforcer group kind of, they mentioned the episode, but then they talked about, they talked about their five probert fights and a bunch of people jumped in and stuff. So it, it, it's always, uh, enjoyable regardless of whatever the the topic happens to be but it's always it's always fun to uh do an episode and which gets uh people talking in the group or and then it, it leads to um discussion of things so i mean that's always the goal right um or you know at least that's always been my goal to when doing the show is to create discussion so um so that was cool to see and i appreciate thank you to chris and jim i appreciate you guys doing that and um 
and for both of them for always um, promoting the show and and, and every and everything. Um, I, it's like I said, it's always it's always greatly appreciated, guys. Um, but yeah, so thank you to everybody that tuned in. If you haven't tuned in, um, I encourage you to, uh, as well as the the two hundred twenty two other episodes um, uh, of the of the program. Um, but um, oh, and another little funny tidbit that happened. I've, I've been I was texting my brother this morning, bugging him about it. But um, to the to the cats out in Romania that are listening, I really appreciate it, guys. I laughed. Um, the fourth line voice. At one point, according to Chartables, the Romanian hockey charts fourth line voice was number one, and Spit Chiglis was number eight. So I, I was telling my brother, I said, "I'm bigger than Biz in Romania." <laughs> no, I, I, I hey, and believe me, I know uh, it's a chart. I know it's all a work, the Chartables thing and everything. It's all just it's it, the the numbers aren't accurate, and it's all whatever, but. It, it humor me here, um, but it obviously means that some people are listening in Romania. So I don't know how many of there of, of you guys there are that are listening to this show, but I want to thank you uh, for tuning in and making me number one in the in the Romanian hockey charts. There we go. What an honor! <laughs> no, it's cool, man. I mean, it's just I and I've, I've said this. I've, Probably at nauseam at this point, but I've, I've said it and I, I said it on the, on the project, uh, podcast there with, with, uh, Harrison Harper a while back when he had me on. Um, that, that has been my biggest thing with the, with the podcast is the fact that here I am sitting in my basement in Saskatoon and Saskatchewan and, uh, people in Romania are listening. Like, it's just so. Like, I mean, it's the internet's worldwide. I get it, but it's just when you sit and just actually think about it for a second, it's so bizarre. And um, no, so I thought that was pretty funny. And uh, actually, like I said, the episode did quite well in Canada as well as uh, in the UK. And um, yeah, I want to thank it. Like I said, I always thank you guys for for listening. But it struck me funny. I had to take a screenshot, and send it to my brother. I said, "Yeah, bigger than biz." You know, yeah, I get it. It's only for twenty four hours. And I've, we had this discussion before. I can't remember who I was talking to. And I had made a joke about, at the time, I like number four in the UK or something. Oh, and of course the one clown. Oh, well, you know, those aren't real ratings. And just so you know, I wouldn't hang my hat on that. Yeah, thanks, Tips. I, I was being sarcastic. Like, so I said something like, oh, I'm, because I was, my show was fourth and the NHL show was sixth or something. And I said, oh, I'm bigger than the NHL or whatever. Of course, he's gonna. I wouldn't hang my hat on that. Like, just, oh. yeah, idiot. Because I'm being serious. Like, oh god, yeah. There, it, you know what I mean? There's always that guy. It doesn't matter what you're doing in life. There's that guy. We're gonna get to that guy in a second. But yeah, yeah. For the Joker out there, yeah, I know. Yeah, that my podcast isn't bigger than the NHL's podcast. I'm well aware of how it works, and I'm well aware how the the flaws in the charitable system are. And, you know, you know, for one day, did I get more listens than Spit and Chiglitz in Romania? Probably not, because you can stream it and that doesn't count, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, I get it, but just have a joke. It's it's a joke, man. We're having a laugh over it, believe me. Like I said, it's one of, what do they say at the, at the you know, at the Oscars? And say, hey, I, w- I was just happy to be nominated. I, hey man, I'm just I'm just happy to see my name in those charts. I don't care what number it's at, you know. 
Because the fact that you're even listed in there, it means people are listening to your show. I don't know how many, but the fact that they are, the you know, that I'm even in that circle with those other shows is, is because there's a million podcasts that aren't. So the fact that I am just makes me happy. And, uh, and, and I'm honored that people would listen. So, yes, but thank you. You had to take your shot at me to make sure, just make sure I knew my place and my role in the ecosystem of this podcasting world. I, I get it. And I, I know what it is. Believe me. Trust, I'm not delusional. Uh, trust me. <laughs> so, but thank you for bringing me back down to earth. I didn't want to get a big head or anything. God. <laughs> but anyway, thank you all for listening. But, um, all right, let's get into the main event of this. We're at half an hour of babbling nonsense already. Ah, it's Sunday. Work with me here, folks. I want to just wrap this up because it's nice and hot. I want to go sit on my deck. I've yet to sit on my deck this year. Yeah, I just, warm, I just want to go sit out there. So, but there are some things I want to talk about. Um, as I said, the NHL draft happened, um, this past weekend, this weekend. Um, and, <laughs> I say it every draft year and I watch it and I'm watching these kids and you know what it is. And and it's like anything. It's not so much the draft that irritates me. It's the fans. I think it comes down to, I always said, I think I said that with the game as well. It's probably not so much the game that irritates me. It's the fans that irritate me. At least the fans on social media, you know, I do laugh when I'm watching the draft though. And it's like, Oh yeah. Every guy, every kid's a character. Oh, everybody, they all want to win. Oh, they're all like the one gentleman there on social media. Oh, yeah, they they like to use the word elite. They're all elite. Well, I'm kind of thinking if you're getting drafted in the NHL, you're sort of elite. <laughs> I think that sort of goes without saying. But they all have these just these buzzwords. The thing that kills me is when the when the nerds online start using them. Like, oh yeah, just a little, you know, the couch jockeys. They got to get in there. And I, I I love when the when the, when the couch scout on Twitter uses compete meter. Oh, that's my favorite when they use that one. Yeah. Oh, the one guy he's talking about the what their one draft pick. Oh, he, he has a two hundred foot game. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, thank you, Colin Leaf fan sixty nine on Twitter. Oh, he he thinks Jimmy's got a two hundred foot game. Oh, that's good. You know, like oh god, what are we doing here? You know, and of course the one eh, whatever. Well, who won the draft? Like, what does that even mean? Like, who won the draft? They haven't even played yet. Who won the draft? Well, in five years, maybe let's revisit this. But, I, you know, not, you know, 15 minutes. You know, round one's been done for 15 minutes, and we got dorks online yelling, asking who won the draft and everything else. And it's like, and I get why you put the shit out there. As I said earlier, it's about creating conversation and all that. I get it, but it's like... Why do I, I just laugh? I, I guess it's just the, the price you pay to to be some hero online. I guess I guess when you have a hundred thousand followers or fifty thousand followers and YouTube channels and everything, and 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 you have it's just your fight to stay relevant every single day that you have to put shit out. You just you say I, I guess you just say stupid shit because you need that you constantly need the buzz around you. I get, you know, I guess, because it's just like, I, I said, I was saying to Alec one time, him and I were talking, and I said, you know what, I I sit and make fun of these influencers, or whatever you want to call them, the, these kids that, I mean, their job is to be online, they're 
Twitch streams and Instagram and YouTube shows and everything else. And, and I mean, I get it. They're making money from all of it and whatever. This is their hustle. And, you know, because I, hey, I'm doing the same thing, you know, my little podcast hustle or whatever. But, you know, it's, it's, it's different that I don't, I don't have to be on camp doing this shit 24. These clown, they just shit. They got to do, I said it's exhausting. I couldn't imagine doing this, doing two podcasts a week drains the shit out of me. I couldn't imagine doing YouTube shows and blah, 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 like just constantly. And I said, problem with doing that is eventually, because shit's not getting researched at this point because you're constantly having to come up, you're, you're constantly having to feed the machine information. Because believe me, trying to keep the audience engaged is, is a, a 24-hour job. Even in podcasting, I always told anybody, told it, you know, in my limited experience of podcasting, but from what I could tell, and it seems to, it's echoed through a number of people that have podcasts. Uh, the only way your show is going to grow and sustain, at least sustain and grow, I should say, is, uh, you have to be consistent. You have to put out content constantly. Cause people, you know, and for the listeners, I'm not, you know, whatever, but it's true. People are like goldfish. We're all like, if it, if they're not being stimulated constantly, they move, they'll go somewhere where they are and they'll leave behind, they'll leave you behind. And it's like, so these influencers, it's, if you're, if you're, if this is your main source of income is, 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 is media just stuff. Yeah. You constantly have to be putting shit out and just whatever. So I said, I, the pro, the byproduct of this becomes as you're constantly putting out content. You're, it's not all going to be gold, I can tell you. And I mean, like, again, to put it in my situation, I do two shows a week. I know I have thrown out some three-finger stinkers out there. It wasn't my intent, but I know I've done some real shit episodes. This one might be going into that category. But you know what I'm saying? That you just, there's sometimes you don't have, you don't have time to do the research or, or as much research as you'd like. I mean, I'm not making stuff up when I'm doing my shows, but it's like, you know, yeah, I might do a topic, but I'm in my head. I'm thinking, man, if I'd had one more day of research, I could have made that, that episode so much better. You know, uh, that type of thing. Um, I've, the, again, that's my, that's my own experience, but I know I've had, it's like anything, right? You obviously you're gonna have better episodes than others. I've had done better, ep, done better interviews than others. Um, that also relies a lot on the guest as well, but it's, it's about my questions and the flow that we have and whatever. Anyway, you, you know that sometimes it works and sometimes, sometimes it just doesn't. That's just the way it is. Um, but it's, it's just, uh, when I to if I had to do this every day and make YouTube thing every day and Twitch and TikTok videos and constant, yeah, yeah, you're you're th- you basically it's just throw shit against the wall and hopefully it sticks. Something will, most shit won't. And it's like these guys release just horseshit stuff, but and it's like, or you you have to ask like stupid shit online to. Like, even if you, if you make a statement, even if you don't believe it, it's just to get engagement, you know? And on one hand, I get it, but on the other hand, myself, I'm just, this is, again, this is me. I couldn't do that for the very fact that I know I'm talking like an idiot. And, but some people will just, they, for the sake of content or for the sake of the traffic, they don't care. And it's like, and I do care. So it's like, I couldn't do that. Just, that's me personally. Um, 
again, not to say every one of my episodes and everything I've ever said on here is, I'm sure people, some people have listened and I'm sure every, like all regular listeners have listened and be like, I don't agree with that. That's not what I'm, I don't expect everybody to agree with me, but it's just like, I'd like to think what I was saying wasn't completely outlandish and stupid. You know, it might not be like, oh, I disagree. I think he was better. You know, that kind of shit. Opinion stuff. But, I mean, I don't think I've made any statements that are completely out in left field or, you know, I need tinfoil hat for or anything. Um, But some of these folks are just... Whatever. I mean, I I don't... I couldn't do it. But I guess if you're not... If you don't have any self-awareness or you don't care, I guess probably you get to that point now where you you have to make so much content, you just stop caring. And you just, you're just throwing it out there. I don't know. It just, yeah, I don't know. it seems bizarre to me. But, yeah, anyway, yeah, they throw, yeah, who won the draft? Oh, God. You know, whatever. But that, and it's like, well, I, I put it up on social media. I like, the, oh, this, oh, yeah, power forward, you know, you know, never been in a fight in his life. You know, oh, legitimately, you look up his stat, he's never been in a fight. But, oh, he's a power forward because, oh, he throws a couple of hits now and again. Like, that's a power forward now? Oh, yeah. Which, of course, inevitably on social media, I get their point. It's different, Grandpa. Yeah, It's different game now. Yeah, No, I clearly, Junior, I know it's completely different. Uh, you don't. You're, you're 17 yelling at me. You have no idea what hockey is. You just know you've been a big fan now for a couple years and... You think this is the way it is. It's like, yeah, yeah, okay. You know, I have shoes older than you, you fucking idiot. Um, so, but thanks for, thanks tips. You know, <laughs> well, the, you know, that, that's like, I'm going to, I'm going to call the house cat a tiger. Well, they're both cats. Well, okay. <laughs> that's about the only similarities. You can't call one a tiger. You can't call it a tiger just because it's a cat. You know, like, ugh. Yeah, power for it. You don't, they don't. You don't have to fight to be a power forward. Oh, okay. I always love the kid telling me that's about 19 years old. It's like, okay, sure. Then find a new, then, then he's not a power forward. Find a new saying. And then, of course, Arizona takes one kid. and Oh, he led his team in penalty minutes. He's out of the Quebec Junior League. Oh, 69 minutes last year. Big physical guy. Yeah, big, tough, rough, stay-at-home defense, but 69 minutes. Yeah, you know how many, you know how many fights in the Quebec League he's had in his career? One. Yeah, oh, but he's the... Yeah, oh, we're drafting toughness. Oh, one fight. Oh, we drafted, oh, you drafted the toughest guy in the queue. He had one fight. Meanwhile, I'm watching a, a clip there. People were talking about the first rounders. Um, you know, back in 98, the Colorado Avalanche drafted Scott Parker because they wanted the toughest guy at junior hockey. So they drafted Parker, you know, who at that year, that year, I think he had 30 fights, 30 goals too. And you look at Scott Parker. Go back and look at what I'm talking about. Just type in Scott Parker draft picture. Look at that draft picture. Look at him. And you go look at these kids getting drafted today. Yeah. <laughs> the kid from Arizona. And maybe, you know, what? I'm not knocking the kid or whatever. But Scott Parker would have picked his teeth with this kid. But yeah, this is the big tough D-man with one fight out of the Quebec League. Oh yeah. How times have changed. I'm not wishing any ill will on the kid, but I was just... I, I sit back and I'm a, I'm a, at my age now, all 47 years, I'm amused at, um, at some of this shit. But, um, yeah. Anyway. Um, uh, th- anyway, the, the whole draft thing led me to, 
uh, I kind of threw out, I threw out my question. Well, who won the first round? You know, I wasn't that. I just simply said, who were the toughest first round picks? Um, and I, cause I, I kind of thought in my head, I knew Parker and Wendell Clark and, you know, if the, oh, there's a couple first rounders. And, uh, I threw it up, but yeah, but then the people replying, it's like some of the names, some of them I didn't realize had gone in the first round. I was like, really? Oh, okay. And, uh, so yeah, I'm going to go, let's look back at the drafts and, uh, I'll just kind of cruise through the first rounds and, and, uh, you know, let's, let's talk about it. I mean, uh, there might be some names that come up that, uh, uh, you guys did not, did, didn't know went in the first round. So I'm on hockey DB. I got the draft thing here. So I hope you don't mind my clicking. Uh, for any long-term listener, if you, if you listen to my interviews, you hear me, I feel bad because like, you can hear me clicking all the time because I have so many screens open. Like I have my questions screen. I have my hockey DB. I have this fight card sometimes and I'm kind of minimizing and clicking between the screens as we're talking. And, um, yeah, so I've been told sometimes, like, what is that clicking? It's the mouse clicking while they're talking. I try not to do it like constant, but there are some times I know that I've, I've clicked away and whatever. But anyway, here we go. There we go. I'm sure you heard that, but, um, uh, 1963, well, we don't need to, 63, no, uh, 64, no, the 65, these are all the, the amateur drafts, um, yeah, what a bit, hey, let's do this, and then, yeah, I, I go right into it, and I, I can't, uh, we're not finding anybody, uh, <laughs> well, I'm, I'm, right now I'm in the 60s, okay, 1970, all right, well, here we go, we've, I found the first one here. Of course, uh, the, the the first round in the 1970 amateur draft, um, there was uh, 14 picks, and uh, not, well, he, I don't know what toughness, but he wasn't afraid to fight as first star player. Daryl Sittler, of course, went eighth overall to Toronto, but uh, Dan Maloney uh, to Chicago, 14th overall in the 1970 amateur draft. The 1971 amateur draft. Uh, saw a couple notable names go. Uh, 13th overall to the New York Rangers, Steve Durbano. Crazy Derby Durbano, who played, who ended up with 220 career games and 1100 penalty minutes. Um, and what a, you know, I mean, I'm sure the most people listening have heard the legendary stories of Steve Durbano, uh, with his Spaceballs helmet. Uh, you know, of course, he would go on and, uh, you know, he's drafted by the, the Rangers, but, Never, never did play for the Rangers, but he did play for the St. Louis Blues, Pittsburgh Penguins, Kansas City Scouts, Colorado Rockies. Um, yeah, uh, briefly in the WHA for a season with the Birmingham Bulls. So, and then drafted right after him, uh, number 14, the final pick of the first round that year for the Boston Bruins, the Tasmanian Devil, Terry O'Reilly. And what a great career, 891 games, 600 points, 2,000 minutes, and, uh, yeah, what more is there to say about uh, Taz? Uh, tremendous player, um, tough, and just, yeah. How many adjectives can I throw out about Terry O'Reilly? I mean, you could say millions, but yeah. There we go. Um, the 1972 amateur draft. Uh, well, Chicago, 13th overall, Phil Russell. Um, Jim Schoenfeld, 5th overall, Buffalo. Uh, were a few picks there. And then, the interesting thing here is the WHA has now entered the picture. And, uh, of course, uh, there, there is some, I, I kind of look through this and, uh, 
there there are some interesting uh, picks in the amateur draft we will get to. Um, well, 1974, no, what did I, 73, no, yeah, 1974, of course, the uh, in the NHL draft, there's a few picks. Number two overall to Kansas City, Wolf Paymont, tremendous power forward, 900 games, 800 minutes, 1,700, or 900 career games, 800 points, 1,700 minutes. Of course, fourth overall to the Islanders, the late Clark Gillies, um, tremendous Number five to Montreal was Cam Connor, um, who you know he only ended up he played in the he was a WHA guy, but he did he did briefly play in the NHL, uh, eighty nine games, but he played two hundred seventy four games in the WHA, nine hundred minutes. Um, man, it's a shame it's a shame there isn't more WHA footage out there. Um, you hear so much about Cam Connor, but um, for those wondering, you know. Um, his final year in the Western Hockey League with the Flim Flop Bombers, Cam Connor, in 65 games, 47 goals, 376 minutes of penalties. If you want to know why he was picked where he was picked, there you go. Um, but even in the WHA, 35 goal season, 21 goal season. Uh, in the American Hockey League, 33 goal season. So, I mean, he was not, uh, you know, completely clueless with the puck. He was obviously a solid player. But, uh, you know, and for Montreal, pretty tough sledding when you get picked by Montreal in 1974, though. You're not, you know, pretty tough to make that roster. So, uh, which probably leads to, uh, you know, what, uh, what happened next. Um, the WHA, they, they called it a secret amateur draft in 1974. And, um, basically, uh, it, it, it was to prevent tampering. Um, so they kept the, 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 the draft in secret. And, um, it's interesting because if you look at the list, um, the Cincinnati singers, uh, third had the third pick took Tiger Williams, Phoenix took Cam Connor at fourth pick, which of course ended up, he did go to the WHA and you know who the seventh pick by the Edmonton Oilers was Clark Gillies. So could you imagine if Clark Gillies, instead of signing with the Islanders had done the Cam Connor thing? And signed with the Edmonton Oilers. Because it would have just been a few years later that the Edmonton Oilers, of course, as an expansion team, went into the NHL. Could you imagine, uh, you know, Clark Gillies going into the NHL with the Edmonton Oilers instead of the New York Islanders? Oh, how things would be different. You know, and, uh, or if Tagger Williams hadn't gone with the Leafs and, and went to Cincinnati in the WHA. Would have been interesting, but yeah, the Gillies thing—that—that uh, that is really something. Yeah, and the same thing. Uh, well, and then later in this, I know we're just doing the first round, but in the second round, Bob Bourne uh, was picked by Indianapolis. So yeah, two big, uh, two big pieces in the um, for the Islander dynasty. Um, imagine if they had signed in the WHA. What uh, what could have been? But I, I just find it wild because especially of all the teams, the Oilers going into the NHL, uh, imagine if they had had Gillies with them. Man, oh man, that would have been something. But yeah, so, no, it, it was just kind of going through this uh, uh, that I found I, I found really, uh, really interesting. Um, you know, kind of, you always, the, the what ifs and that type of thing. Um but, you know, and then, you know, go to 75, Mel Bridgman first overall. 
Uh, again, great player, 977 career games, 700 points, 1600 minutes, you know, Mel with the stash and this, again, with the space balls helmet. And, um, I think it's often overlooked with the flyer, you know, what, what a solid player that he was, you know, 23, 24, 16 goals, 26 goals. Um, you know, great player. Um, but yeah, he, uh, Again, and well, and then another, you know, of course, a lot of these guys, of course, they got picked in the WHA draft too. And that's, you know, much like, well, the USFL back in the day with the NFL back then, I think, um, you know, and they were throwing out big money to these guys, you know, and like, and Tiger talks about it in his book, you know, he's like, I always dreamed about the NHL. That was my goal was to be in the NHL. And, and like, he talks about Cincinnati offering him big money. Like way more than the Leafs were, but it was they weren't the NHL. You mean at the end of the day, you know, obviously the NHL got the last laugh, but but at the same time, guys like Tiger and stuff, they would have found their way to the NHL. Um, I know it's at at one point it was sort of viewed as you'd be getting blackballed and that type of thing. Maybe in some owners' minds you were, but I think once expansion hit and stuff, and teams start getting absorbed, it's the eighties. If you were good, teams would get you. They're not going to let you sit there, you know. But you know, and they missed out on a temporary payday. You know, I'm sure obviously Gillies, you know, would have got more from the Oilers and the WHA at the time than he did from the Islanders. But I mean, obviously he went on and, you know, I'm sure he has no regrets of his, of his decision, but, um, you know, and it was the same in the USFL, you know, you had Kelly and Steve Young and all them went there and Herschel Walker. And, um, so, but it was a good payday for the players. But the, the biggest thing that of course, it also helped the NHL players. See, I think the only people that were, the only people that were mad about this were the owners. The players weren't, because the players are probably happy about it, because it's, now it's, it's competition. So now, um, you know, it's, it, they're, ma- they're making more money. So it's like, yeah, the, the players certainly weren't, you know, upset by, 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 by the rival league. They probably welcomed it. So. Uh, in 1977, of course, second overall to Colorado was Barry Beck, big, huge D-man with a huge tough guy reputation coming out of the Western Hockey League with the new Westminster Bruins. Again, 600 uh, career games. Um, uh, you know, unfortunately with Beck, he always, he had the, you know, the back issues and everything else. So I don't, uh, I don't think we saw the, the best of Barry Beck. Uh, but again, still played 600 and some games. Um, the 1979 draft, um. Uh, was, uh, you know, 16th to LA was Jay Wells, uh, 19th to Winnipeg, Jimmy Mann. If I didn't include that, William would be, would be a house of fire. I think he typed in Jimmy Mann nine times in my poll on Facebook. <laughs> no, there you go. Um, uh, I, I, it, top, what episode it was, I'm not quite sure. But if anybody, I know Jimmy Mann, there's a lot of, um, you know, with him, there's kind of a lot of what ifs and stuff like that. Um, I, I had uh, William Chippeway on, uh, you know, fellow fight fan and moderator of the Hockey Fights and Brawls page. But he's uh, he grew up in Winnipeg, was a big Jets guy. And uh, I had him on, a few, uh, I don't know how many episodes ago it was now. Um, if, if you if you scroll down, the, it's 108, 90, something, something in there. Uh, no, no, it, yeah, it would be somewhere in there. But it says with William or whatever. Um, Definitely go back and give that episode a listen. William throws out a lot of great information about Jimmy Mann and, and what the, you know, being in Winnipeg at that time, um, you know, the stories about him and, and you know, in the local media and that type of thing. So it was really cool. But 
Yeah, um, but yeah, he, he came out of the out of the out of the uh, Quebec Junior League. But again, and everybody, oh, you know, but he's just a goon, whatever. He sure didn't play much in the you know two hundred ninety three NHL games, you know, thirty points, eight hundred minutes. But you look in the Quebec Junior sixty five one year, sixty seven games, twenty seven goals, two hundred seventy seven minutes. The final year, sixty five games, thirty five goals, two hundred sixty minutes. Twelve playoff games, twenty six points in eighty three minutes. Um, you know, so he had a big rep coming out of junior and, uh, and obviously could, you know, 80 back to back 80 point seasons. Yes, it's junior hockey, but nonetheless, we're still not talking about, you know, obviously it was a different time. I mean, that's the other thing. It's like, we're not talking three shift dummies here, like back to back. I don't give a shit. It's 80 point seasons. And so, you know, um, he could obviously play a little, but, uh, yeah, the, um, Another in that draft, Mike Felino, third overall to Detroit, you know, owner of the bad helmet, but man, Felino, of course, now with his kids, both his kids in the league and, you know, quite the, quite the legacy there. Um, what do we got? 1981. Well, 1981, um, 10th overall by the Vancouver Canucks was Garth Butcher from the Regina Pats. Um, his, his numbers in Regina for, and again, a defenseman, right? Um, 86 points one year, final year of junior, 65 games, 24 goals, 68 assists for 92 points, 318 minutes in penalties, and then 20 points in 19 playoff games. Yeah, uh, Garth could play, uh, for sure. Great junior player, but great, 900 career games in the NHL, you know, 2300 minutes. Um, you know, was he the killer fighter? No, but I mean, Always in there, would always fight anybody, and, um, you know, so, again, I'm not the, you know, not saying Garth Butcher was a killer, but, hey, solid, uh, you know, gritty D-man, that's for sure, but great player in junior. Um, the 1982 NHL draft, um, yeah, I mean, you know, Boston had first overall pick, they took Gord Kluzak, uh, unfortunately with Kluzak, a lot of injuries, um, but, you know, uh, with Saskatchewan kid, big dude, tough guy, um, had some, had some good fights, but, uh, you know, just, just couldn't get, couldn't get over the injuries and, um, you know, played a couple seasons then. And then, you know, 88, 89, 90, just three, eight, two games. I think it was his knees. And then he had, unfortunately had to retire. So you never got to see, um, you know, a what a healthy Gord Kluzak could do, but he did, he did have some, some great fights and, uh, you know, but just, just injuries, right? Just tough. But, uh, number three to Toronto, Gary Nyland, another big kid out of the Western, Western hockey league out of Portland. Um, then number five to Washington, Scott Stevens. Um, you know, obviously Hall of Fame career. Um, you know, never played a minute in the minor 18 right to the NHL. Um, you know, there was just, there was a big, there was a run on just sandpaper D here in the 82 draft because 11th overall to Vancouver, Michelle Petit. Uh, I'll tell you now, underrated tough guy, uh, in terms of fighters, it, honestly, go look up some Michelle Petit fights. Poh, go look up Petit Probert. Go look that fight up. It's on YouTube. Check it out. Not bad. I'm telling you. 12th overall to Winnipeg, Jim Kite. Um, 18th to New Jersey, Kenny Danico. Like, I'm, I'm telling you guys, like, there was, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> 
you know, and then, well, and then 20 to Edmonton, Jim Playfair, who had, you know, obviously Larry's brother, now coach, but he was out of Portland, um, you know, 200 minute season in junior, big guy. Uh, I think he'll, uh, you know, he'll, uh, in YouTube, he, you know, got unceremoniously knocked out by Joey Coaster, Joey Coker, as they called him in the American Hockey League. Um, but yeah, big guy. Um, he only played the 21 NHL games, but yeah, uh, yeah, 1982 was definitely the year of the sandpaper defenseman. Um, 1983, um, of course, saw uh, the Islanders 16th take Gerald Diddick from Lethbridge, another Western Hockey League guy, 900 games. One of the, another one of those undercover D men that you know doesn't get a lot of a lot of ink even from fight fans. But you go back and you watch, and it's like guy had some solid bouts, but he was one of those kind of undercover guys, like a Todd Gill, right? Like it's just, you know, it was never just you know glassing out. But if you wanted to play fuck around, you're gonna he'd give it to you. Um, you know, another guy, hey, nineteenth by Edmonton, Jeff Bukaboom, out of the Sioux, out of the Ontario Hockey League, um, eight hundred career games, eighteen hundred minutes, another big guy. Uh, Boston, 21st pick, last pick in the first round. Nevin Marquardt with the bad bucket and everything out of Regina. Uh, but 300 games in the NHL. But, uh, you know, I will say I, I never, um, he was just one of those guys that had just a really bad helmet. But I had, um, I, I had a Bruins DVD. It was, yeah, it was, it must have been 86, 87, because I'm looking at 64 games. He had 225 minutes. Um, I'm sitting there watching the DVD and you don't realize it because most of the DVDs I always had were like assorted, right? So you'd see maybe a guy on there two or three times. You don't, you don't put much thought into it. But when it's an actual team DVD and you basically see every fight that he had that year, the 10 or 15, 20 fights that he had. So you see them all and it's like, Jesus, this guy wasn't bad actually. Mark Hart actually was not that bad. I mean, I'm again, I'm not saying, oh, he's going to challenge for the pound for pound title or anything, but I mean, you know, you know, really was it, you know, was he the worst fighter I ever saw? No. So, no, he was all right. Terrible. It's like, who, who allows him to wear that helmet, though? Come on. Okay, how does it, how, like, again, as I said with, like, Klima and guys like that, and, like, Christian Rutu, like, who lets them out of the locker room with that salad bowl on? Like, you know, they're like, dish the chapeau, man. Like, no way, man. Somebody's got to say something. 1984 draft, of course, Mary Lemieux first overall. But, uh, you know, Mary Lemieux even had 800 minutes of penalties. He was chippy, though. I'll give him that. Like, he was dirty. Lemieux was dirty. For, but, I mean, he also got abused a lot, too. So he had to, you know, fight back, right? But uh, Montreal, eighth overall, Shane Corson. Uh, Calgary, 12th overall, Gary Roberts. The Rangers, 14th overall, Terry Karkner. Again, another one of those defense, big, tough D-men out of the Ontario League, out of Peterborough. Didn't take shit. Uh, Quebec, Trevor Steenberg, another guy out of uh, the Ontario League, Guelph. Um, one of the sad, actually really sad story was, of course, the Islanders, their 20th pick was Duncan McPherson, and he played here in Saskatoon. And uh, for those that aren't familiar, um, he had, you know, played with the Island, or played in the, in the American League for a couple of years. Got, it was kind of injury prone, and I think he was sort of moving on, but and he never got the chance with the Islanders, but he's a big, tough defenseman. Um, but what I, what I meant by the sad story was in, uh, in 1989, um, he had, 
I think he was taking a coaching position. He was doing something over there. Um, but on the way over, he had stopped in Austria and he was going to try and he was just vacationing on the way to the, um, I think it was Belfast, I believe he was going to go play at. I, I read his book a while ago, or well, years ago now, but, um, his, his parents, the book that was released about him. But, uh, anyway, he had, uh, stopped at the ski slope in Austria and, um, yeah, he was going to go snowboarding and stuff and he just disappeared. And, uh, and they found the car out in the parking lot six weeks later and the team was like, because the team was like phoning back to Saskatoon, like, Hey, where is this guy? And they're like, what? He said he was gone. He was going there and it was a big mystery of what happened to him. And they knew he had stopped to ski or whatever. And like no one had, cause he was by himself. So no one had, you know, what happened to the guy. And, um, and like I said, being from Saskatoon here, it was, it was a big story for a lot of years. And his parents were like, put out big rewards and they would often go to Austria to the ski slope and go look and try to track down leads. And I remember there was a bunch of stories here, like, you know, the unknown, what happened? Like, unsolved, I think Unsolved Mysteries, you know, might have done something about it. Uh, I know it was on a major TV show. They covered the case. And, and 14 years later, in 2003, his body was found at the ski slope um, on one of the other runs or whatever. It was, And it was frozen. It, it was there. It was intact. And he was frozen. Um, yeah, 14 years later. So... Um, yeah, there's a, uh, the, off the top of my head, I can't remember the name of the book, but there was a book written about it. And, uh, yeah. And that, of course, again, being from Saskatoon, um, I'm very familiar with that story. So, um, but yes, uh, Duncan McPherson, um, but yeah, big, tough D man that played for the blades, solid player. Uh, like I say, just, uh, had a lot of injuries in his pro career, but, uh, yeah, really sad story there. But at the same time, um, you know, you know, in saying that, you know, for the, I, I'm all, you know, I think everybody was glad, obviously, that they found his body. So it's like, it's closure for the family, right? Because I remember you'd see the news conference, like, just, you know, every, you know, they revisit. Because, you know, at the first, the story's a big deal. And then, you know, as the years go on, it sort of fades and uh, people forget about it. But every couple of years, it would, you know, his parents would come on the news and, well, this is, we've learned little tidbits and somebody saw Duncan at this time and, you know, they do the update every couple of years and you just watch it. You just feel so bad for his parents and, and, his, you know, and his friends and stuff. Cause it's like, it's terrible when someone died, but like, let alone, you just don't know, right? There's just like, what happened? And you don't, that just that unknown would be terrible. And I, you'd see him on the press conference and just feel for him. Right. So in 2003, when they found his body, at least they got closure, right? They could bring him home. And so. But yeah, what a it, yeah. Look it up, Duncan McPherson. If you if you'd like to know more about that story, some take some twists and turns, and there was some, you know, there's a, yeah. Look into it. Um. Well, and then of course the the 1985 entry draft. Of course, another Saskatoon Blade, the big hero around here. Wendell Clark goes first overall to the Toronto Maple Leafs. Um. You know. Um, what, what what more is there to say? But, uh, you know, Wendell, number one, and that, like I always say, that that was always really cool because Hockey Night in Canada was like, that was our guy, right? So you get to see him with the Leafs all the time and that's some really bad Leaf teams. But, yeah, Wendell. Um, the 1986 uh, effort, you know, one guy that uh, is, is often talked about as toughness, um, Everett Sanapass. Um out of the Quebec Quebec Junior League was taken 14th overall by Chicago. Um, you know he played 164 NHL games. Uh, you know uh, s- sparingly. 
you know, with the results, but, uh, a few tilts here and there, but, uh, yeah, he, uh, he had a big rep coming out of the Quebec league that he was, uh, you know, I, I've never seen a lot of his junior fights, but I know coming out, he, he was known as being a tougher guy. Uh, it, it infamously on the, he was on that, uh, that world junior team that had the, had the, the punch up Pistani, the world junior brawl with the Russians. He was on that team. Um, uh, 18th was uh, Ken McRae, of course, uh, uh, out of the Ontario Hockey League. Um, I, I don't. Am I boring everybody with this? I don't know. Just reading off names. I don't know. I always just find kind of just going back and you see the names and who got picked. I find this fascinating. Maybe maybe this might be one of those three finger stinker episodes that I was talking about. But in 1987, of course, we had Brendan Shanahan second overall to New Jersey, like Hall of Fame career. Uh, the Maple Leafs, seventh overall, took Luke Richardson. Again, 1,400 NHL games. Had a great career. Um, I believe now he just got hired. Isn't he the new head coach of the Blackhawks? I believe so. He just got a head coaching job anyway. Um, well, this tragic story of Brian Fogarty, number nine to Quebec. Uh, you know, unfortunately, addiction problems and everything. Uh, he never had the NHL career, but... The stories of him, how good he could have been, were legendary. And I've had a few guys on my show that played with him, and they just shake their head like how good he could have been. Unbelievable. Uh, 13th, the Islanders. 13th overall, the Islanders took Dean Chanel, another big, tough stay-at-home D-man from Medicine Hat. Um, again, as I said, Marchment, there you go, 16th. Um, man, Quebec got Joe Sackick, 15th. Oof. Yep. Not a, not a bad pick. Well, hey, Boston, 14th. You could have had Joe Sackett, but you took Stefan, Stefan Quintal instead. Well, you know. Hey, 1,000 NHL games. What more do you... I mean, you can't ask for more than that out of a first-round pick. I mean, 1,000 games. Great player. You know, sol- again, solid stay-at-home D-man. Um, you know, I, another guy that I think flies under the radar of um, uh, kind of the kind of the tough guys. But Quintal was always around. He'd, he'd stick up for you. Uh, 1988, of course, that was like Medano, Linden, Lecision, uh, Jeremy Roenick, Brenda Morris, Solani. What a great draft in the first round. Uh, but ni- 19th to Edmonton, Francois LaRue. Big D- D-man coming out, of the, coming out of the Quebec Junior League. Uh, you know, six foot six. Uh, yeah, I remember when he was at Edmonton, there was a lot of hype around him, you know, with Kate Brett and how big he was. And... Um, you know, he had some solid fights and uh, never really lived up to it. Uh, you know, 250 NHL games, although he can always claim claim victory over uh, a prime Tony Twist. Uh, LaRue Twist, go look that one up. Uh, 1989, of course, Matt Sundin taken first overall. Um, one of the guys that got taken by Toronto, you know who, Rob Pearson. Yeah, he played 270 NHL games, 110 career points. I always liked Rob Pearson, kind of a gritty dude. Um, he played on, the, of course, that Memorial Cup winning team with uh, Eric Lindros. 41 games, 57 goals, 100 points. Um, but yeah, he had a great junior career with Belleville and then Oshawa that final year. Um, but yeah, he, uh, you know, I, I like the one year there in Toronto. He had 78 games. Yeah, 78 games, 23 goals, 211 minutes. Real key contributor that ninety two ninety three that run there that the Leafs had, um, you know I was I was down with Pearson I liked him. Then uh, well the nineteen ninety draft of course uh, Owen Nolan first overall again great power forward 
exactly 1,200 NHL games, played 885 points, 1,700 minutes. Um, of course, this year, Nedved, Primo, Ricci, Yager, Sador, Hatcher, uh, Trevor Kidd. Uh, Turner Stevenson went 12th overall in Montreal. Brad May went 14th to Buffalo. Uh, Scott Allison, uh, for, for those folks over in the UK, he went 17th overall to the Oilers. Um, he had, he had a, a solid... Uh, Solid Western Hockey League career, final year in, in Moose Jaw, he had 37 goals, 238 minutes of penalties, but hey, six foot four guy that could move, um, that's what got him, is, got drafted. I was always, uh, you know, even that first year in the American Hockey League, he had 19 goals in the American League, 200 minutes, it's like, you know, never, no NHL time, that's, eh, you know, that'd be interesting, that's, that's interesting, they never got the call. Um, Vancouver, 18th overall, Sean Ontoski. Of course, it's, you know, then Winnipeg, then 19th was Keith the Chuck, 20th, Martin Broder. Uh, man, a couple Hall of Famers. That, what a great draft class that first round was in 1990. Unbelievable. Uh, and, of course, 1991 was the famous Eric Lindros going to Quebec first overall. Um, later on, 7th overall in Vancouver was Stoinoff. It's interesting, Canucks back-to-back years. Man, they must have just been looking. That was the back in the late '80s, early '90s. Everyone was looking for Probert, right? They wanted wanted these big guys that could score a little bit, but could fight. And uh, Saint and Toski the year before, um, uh, you know, because everybody kind of just oh Sean and Toski, you know. But you look back when he was in North Bay, dude, six four, two forty, fifty nine games, he had twenty five goals, two hundred minutes of penalties. Then his first year in Milwaukee in the IHL, which was which is a veteran league, and you know, and he's a young kid, veteran league. Of the, you know, sixty-two games, he had seventeen goals in three hundred and thirty minutes. The following year, again in the IHL with Milwaukee, fifty-two games, another seventeen goals and three hundred and forty-six minutes. I, if I'm Vancouver, I'm pretty happy with those numbers, and uh, you know, and then, but he, you know, and he played, and he. Played, he'd get to Philadelphia, he had the 200 minute season in Philly, but 64 games, he only had the one goal. And I think a lot of people, you know, like 183 NHL games, eight career points, and everybody's like, oh, you know, what a, what a putz. But I mean, obviously, did not get a chance to, to, to play, to show that he could play. But like I said, you don't score back to back 17 goal seasons in the IHL and not have a clue, especially back then in that veteran league like that. You know, and and have put up 700 minutes in penalties. He knew what he was doing. It was just, uh, you know, you, you got to get the got to get the opportunity, and uh, you know, and it's the same thing. You know, Stoyanov. I mean, the whole Stoyanov thing's been beat to death. Oh, I can't believe they trade. We got Marcus Nasland and blah blah. blah. Pittsburgh fans still bitch about it. We let Nasland go. Well, Nasland was a nobody at the time. Like he was just a uh, cookie cutter winger. Soft European wingers. I'm sorry, but he was. That was just the way it was. And again, with Stoyanov, you can scoff all you want, but Stoyanov's final year in junior, um, the guy had in in 45. He had 37 goals. He almost had a goal a game, and he was recognized as pretty much one of the toughest guys in the Ontario Hockey League. Six four, two forty. And again, his you know his it, well, and then that year after he gets drafted. Um, you know, Hamilton, the final four games of the year in the American League with the Hamilton Canucks. In four games, he has four goals. And then, in his, and then, uh, but the problem was, gets hurt, right? He's injury prone. But then he comes back. 94-95, a full season with the Syracuse Crunch. He had 73 games in the American Hockey League. 18 goals, 270 minutes. So it's like, shit, we might have something here. 
you know, and, you know, and then he played for Vancouver for a few years. Um, he had the one, you know, 58 games, the one year, 123 minutes and penalties. Ends up getting traded to Pittsburgh, plays 45 games with them, nothing really matters. You know, ends up 107 career games, 7 points, 200 minutes. Um, he had some great fights. He had a great fight with Dodie Wood, another really great fight with Kelly Chase. Um, just injuries, and again, I've had guys on my show that talk about him. Uh, sometimes I think maybe his head wasn't there. There might have been some, you know, off attitude issues or whatever, but injuries as well. But it's interesting. Hindsight, everyone's a, everyone's a genius with hindsight scouting, right? But at the time, um, I could see why they, why the Canucks made the pick, but it's just interesting when you go and look, man, they were pushing hard for, for toughness. Um, you know, the NHL or the NHL, Vancouver at that time. Uh, in 93, in the first round, I mean, you had Brendan Witt drafted by by Washington 11th overall. Um, of course, he would uh, he would sit out, famously sit out uh, the year. He couldn't sign with him. So, you know, but he ended up having a hell of a long career. I'm a big fan of Brendan Witt. But uh, uh, 94, of course, the other Lindros went to the Islanders. There you go. Mike Milbury famously saying, we picked the better Lindros. Oh, okay, Mike. But, again... Um, 51 NHL career game, 7 points, 147 minutes. Unfortunately, head injuries uh, ended his career. Um, but again, I think what people forget, um, he was a really solid player. Again, 6'4", big guy that could move. But, you know, in his final year at Kingston, again, the injuries, but 26 games, 24 goals, 23 assists, 63 minutes. It's like, you know, and it's, you know, Lindros got the pedigree and stuff, but... Yeah, it's it's just a shame with the injuries, but I think he could have been a real solid player. I I know Eric has talked about it with, with the problem with Brett was is um like they said he's just a young guy, but he was like Eric told him, You're fighting too much and like you're fighting heavyweight fighters. Like he fought Langdon and Laws and, and he was just taking on big guys and he was taking some shots and it was like he was a tough dude, but like he said at eighteen he just wasn't ready at eighteen to be fighting these monsters. And, uh, you know, unfortunately it caught up to him. Um, another, actually before that Tampa Bay took Jason Weimer, big power forward of the Western Hockey League. Um, of course, Quebec 12th overall, Wade Belak. Of course, I get to watch him play with the Saskatoon Blades here. Um, Chris Dingman, 19th overall at Calgary out of the Brandon, by the Brandon Wheat Kings. Again, some people, old Dingman, huh, you know, Hey man, dude had uh, a 40 goal season. 200 minutes of penalties. Like he was a he was a big scorer in the in the in the Western Hockey League as well as being six foot five, right? And would fight. Um, wasn't he wasn't the greatest fighter even in the Western League, but big dude that could do that. Yeah, 95 draft, of course, famous uh, Terry Ryan, eighth overall to Montreal. But Terry, uh, yeah, I know he always downplays it. I, he only played the eight NHL games, but he was awesome in the American League. We're, you know, I mean, you're talking about a guy. Uh, you know, 20 goals, 30 fights in the American League in his, in his rookie year in Fredericton. Um, he, he put up solid numbers and, uh, you know, unfortunately injuries and, uh, you know, just didn't work out. But, you know, uh, but a 50-goal year with Tri-City, 50 goals in 200 minutes, like playing with Damon Lankow. Ryan's solid, man. I, like I said, I know he likes to, you know, uh, downplay it. But he, he in the Western Hockey League in junior yeah, he lived up to that eighth, like or like he deserved that eighth overall pick. He he was that good. He was eleventh um, overall to Dallas, of course. Jerome McGinley, um, you know, 
one of the premier power forwards of all time, NHL, you know, <clears throat> NHL Hall of Famer. Uh, you know, 96, nope, uh, 97, famously Joe Thornton first overall. Um, Chicago, Ty Jones out of the Spokane Chiefs. Um, his strength and toughness is, is legendary. Uh, you know, with uh, Chris Graff and Josh Mazur and Mike Haley, former teammates have all talked about, uh, you know, how solid of a player he was. Uh, just didn't pan out in the, in the NHL. Uh, another guy, Mike Brown, I've had on the show, former guest, um, was drafted by Florida and was, of course, famously included in the Pavel Bure trade. And uh, never, again, never really got a shot in the NHL in only 34 games. But tough guy, great player in the, in the Western Hockey League. Yeah, really tough dude. And and uh, the older Mike Brown, I know there's two. They are both tough too, but not the not the one was from Ontario. The other one was from out west here. Uh, the the one from Ontario was tough too, but now I'm talking about the one from the from the Western League. Um, then the uh, 1998 draft, of course, uh, the Colorado Avalanche had four picks in the first round, and on one of those picks, number 20 overall, they took Scott Parker from the Kelowna Rockets. And again, uh, he played 300 NHL games, 700 minutes and penalties. Um, but in his final year of junior, 71 games, he had 30 goals and 240 minutes. And I can tell you, um, I've always said he is the toughest junior player I ever saw, but just a man amongst boys. And, uh, you know, won a Stanley Cup, had, uh, you know, and I mean, every time you mentioned Parker online, oh, Probert got him. Like, that's some, you know. The idiot's always going to bring that up, but no, Parker had an, other than losing to get knocked out by Probert as a rookie, um, he had a great, uh, an NHL career, had a, a lot of big wins, um, fairly polarizing on the old message boards. I mean, you had your Parker fans and then you had your haters as well, but, um, but yeah, overall, um, solid career. One, and, you know, on a personal level, one of my, you know, favorite tough guys. I was a massive Scott Parker fan. Um, yeah, guys, other than that, I mean, I guess it's been an hour and 20 minutes and I could, I'm clicking away here, you know, just throwing out names, but, uh, just to kind of briefly kind of wrap it up in 2002, uh, you know, Ben Eager, uh, 2004, Boris Falebic, 09, Kane and Kadri. I think the last, the last two kind of big, whatever you want, you know, heavyweights for lack of a better term, but in 2010, the New York Rangers took Dylan McElrath. He came out of the Western Hockey League with a big, tough guy rep. And, uh, you know, um, unfortunately, um, you know, never, never really, never really got an opportunity. Um, you know, in this day and age, it, that was a real, I, I remember at the time, everyone is kind of surprised with the pick. Um, you know, and he's only played 66 NHL games, you know, with the Rangers and then Florida. And I think lately Detroit, I think it was the last stop. But, um, yeah, unfortunately, maybe one of those guys that I uh, always say came along a decade too late. Um, but, uh, I always liked to be, like I said, tough kid in the Western leagues here with Moose Jaw. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I was, uh, you know, I, I always wish he had, had more of an NHL career, but, uh, you know, I liked him. He, he was sort of the last kind of real, kind of the heavyweight that went in the first round that I can remember. I know, um, the, the fall in 2012, I know Washington took Tom Wilson. Um, you know, some people might scoff and, you know, that's not a heavyweight. Well, you know, you, you know, you, you could say he isn't or he is or whatever, but I mean, you know, in this day and age, I, I would, uh, I, I would say, you know, 
he he's definitely a heavyweight, but you know, it put him in 1990. Nah, he probably was. He probably wouldn't be. But um, it, it actually occurs to me as I'm sitting here thinking that I mentioned speaking of because as soon as I said Wilson, Ben Wilson, did I mention him in uh, the 1978 amateur? He was taken sixth overall by the Flyers, uh, of course, out of uh, the Ontario Hockey League. I'm I'm not quite sure if I had uh, if I had mentioned that or not. How do you skip over Ben Wilson if I did? Pardon me. Uh, there's probably people yelling at their dashboard, Wilson, you idiot. Yeah, so I mean, I want to uh, come back and redeem myself with that. But 600 NHL games, 1,400 minutes. And of course, he had the bad back as well. Um, so I, I believe he had to he had to retire early. Yeah, he was 28 years old when he had to retire, uh, which is a real shame because, I mean, 28 years old. I mean, dudes are coming into the prime at that point. So, um Anyway, I just kind of wanted to talk about just tough guys that kind of went in the first round, and maybe I throw out some names that people didn't realize they were first round picks. And uh, like I said, everyone with hindsight, oh, well, I can't believe he was a first rounder. Well, you know, maybe you can't now, but at the time it made sense, and especially you know, depending on the time period and what have you. I was, I, was, I still find that Gillies Edmonton WHA connection fascinating. If the what ifs that could have happened, but um, yeah. I don't know, maybe that was boring as shit, and I apologize if, that, if this is a boring episode. Um, I mean, just clicking and reading names off, I guess. But, I don't know, I, I just thought it was kind of interesting, and, you know, I hope, you know, I'm, I'm sure the hardcore fight fans probably were, you know, I, I think hopefully found it interesting. Uh, maybe uh, maybe they didn't, I don't know. But, uh, anyway, it's like an hour and 20 minutes, and I want to go enjoy my deck. But, um, I, I just wanted to, like I said, the draft come up, and... Um, I just kind of wanted to talk about, yeah, tough first rounders. So who was your, who would you be your pick as the toughest first rounder ever? I'd, I'd probably, I'd throw in Ben Wilson. Some are going to say Wendell, Scott Parker, maybe. Um, yeah, but there's, there has definitely been some tough guys taken in the first round for sure. So, um, in, at the 2022 draft, probably not. <laughs> you know, the 2022 draft is a little different than the 1982 draft. That's for sure. Um, oh, speaking of drafts, here, hold on. I got to look up this though for a quick sec. Yeah, I just wanted to get the year right. Um, what you could you could sort of see what the the Detroit Red Wings were going for in 1983. Of course, they took they had the fourth overall pick. They took Steve Eiserman, tremendous pick, obviously, 1,700 career points, 1,500 games at Hall of Famer. <clears throat> in the in the third round, 46th overall, of course, Bob Probert, uh, <laughs> Peter Klima. Speaking of helmets, in the fifth round. But also, in the fifth round, 88th overall, Joe Koser from the Saskatoon Blades. Uh, and then uh, 186th overall in the 10th round, Stu Grimson from the Regina Pats. Could you imagine if they had, if they had kept Stu? If they had signed, Stu went on and actually didn't sign and uh, actually went on to university here and uh, at the University of Manitoba for a few, for a couple years and then signed as a free agent with, or uh, got drafted by Calgary in the 85 draft. But, uh, yeah, Probert, Koser, and Stu Grimson in the 1983 draft. So you can see what the Red Wings were going for. Um, maybe some of the listeners don't know, uh, Joey Coe, of course, played with the Saskatoon Blades here. Um, yeah, in his final year of junior at 69 games, he had 40 goals and 258 minutes of penalties. So, um, could definitely score and 23 goals the year before. So, uh, Koser could snipe, um, just 57 years old, man. 
man, I feel I feel old when I see Joey Koser at 57 years old. But yeah, hammer, hammer of the gods right there at the right hand. Um, but yeah, 40 goals in this final year with the Saskatoon Blades. But yeah, that always cracks me up. The 83 draft by the Wings. Probert, Koser, and Grimson. There you go. So you knew what the Wings, what they had, they had, they, they had uh, on their mind that year. But um, yeah, guys, that's about it. Um, I mean, what what more is there to say? Um, like I said, everybody listens. Right? Hopefully, I didn't put you to sleep. But um, yeah, I don't know. I, I just find you know when you go back and, and just look at some of the things and and the what ifs and the who got picked where and, and that type, I find it interesting. So I hope you did too. If you didn't, well, you know, hopefully next next Wednesday I'll do, I'll do better for you. But um, I want to thank everybody that that you, I always say it, but I, I always mean it. But uh, that that tunes in and, and every week, and uh, you know, and you guys send your your uh, suggestions and just thoughts and and everything. And I, I love hearing from you guys. And uh, like I said, if you if you're on social media, Fourth Line Voice on Facebook and Twitter, give me a follow, drop me a line, send me a message, whether it be good, bad, otherwise, a suggestion, an idea, just a story. Um, I'd love to hear from you. If you're not on social media, hockeyfights at hotmail.com. Send me an email. Um, again, I'd love to hear from you guys. Um, yeah. Um, now that the NHL draft is over, um, I will probably get the Bob Probert tournament happening here sooner rather than later. Um, I hopefully I will draw up the bracket this week and I want to do, obviously I want to do the preview show for it and, um, I have a couple guys in mind uh, for guests to help me out with that preview show, and uh, and we will get to voting on it. Um, yeah, for some reason I thought the draft was like this next week coming up. So uh, yeah, I want to get that done here before Ice Wars in August, uh, August sixth. Ice Wars again in Edmonton, pay per view Fight TV. Um, so I wanted to get it done before that, but uh, but I wanted to get it. You know, I didn't want to do it during the draft because it sort of gets lost in the draft shuffle, right? So. Um, yeah, so I think right now will be the perfect time to get it done. So look for the Bob Probert Invitational to be coming. But, um, anyway, guys, that'll be about it. Let's wrap this up. But, uh, I want to thank everybody for tuning in. And, uh, like I said, I hope I didn't bore you too much with the draft talk. But, uh, I don't know. I just found it fascinating. So there you go. Episode 224 is in the books. But, uh, I want to thank everybody again for tuning in. And, uh, yeah, I'll say, hey, I'll talk to you guys on Wednesday. Thanks, everybody. And you people that don't like fighting, how many of you did you walk out and get a coffee while that was on?